Hebrews chapter 5, we pick up our study at verse 11. I'd like to begin reading back at verse 9, in which we have clear reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Father, even at the onset, we can say that it is a tremendous privilege and blessing to be able to discern between what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's best, as we navigate the path of life. We now work in a section of the Word of God in which that kind of discernment is not readily known among those that even profess to be the people of God. So we pray today that you would help us to enter into the logic of the text, to the thrust that is made, to glean real help for our souls. Thank you for each one that is here. We ask your enablement as we share the truth of the Word Hear it for the benefit of our souls. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Kent County District Library has whole shelves of books dedicated to good speaking. And whole shelves of books dedicated to good listening. It is real work to speak with clarity, with precision, and with impact. And it is real work to listen with care and comprehension. One of the things that happens every time Sherry and I are on vacation is that I am reminded how hard it is to pay attention. I'll tell you, it's hard to go to sleep when you're standing up here. It's not so hard when you're sitting out there. The reality is, it's work to speak well, and it's work to listen well. That's why communicational experts place equal importance upon the content of communication, what is being said, the participation of the communicator, or the sender, as it's called in communicational analysis, and the participation of the receiver, or the listener concerning each and every verbal 
communication. Likewise, communication of the spiritual truth always involves the same three factors, the message, the messenger, and the hearer. Attached to these three factors in biblical communication is the necessity of prayer and preparation. In order to uh, uh, have good content, uh, there's a considerable amount of prayer and preparation in order to deliver uh, communicationally uh, in a moment of time. There is a considerable amount of prayer and preparation. And to listen well requires prayer and preparation. Since that's true, we can likewise say that there are three ways to ruin every sermon. Three ways to ruin any sermon. Number one, opportunity for spiritual growth and development can be ruined by poor poor and prayerless preparation of the message. Without honest study, an insight gained into the scriptures by the Holy Spirit, the word of God is easily abused and twisted. Most references to scripture in modern society are certainly out of context and misdirected in emphasis. All of our Awana kids can quote the scripture that sets the standard for life Relative to a Bible perspective, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a way to get it right. There's a whole lot of ways to get it wrong. And most often, when the word of God is quoted in modern society, it is misquoted or is quoted out of context apart from the biblical point. Secondly, opportunity for spiritual growth and development can also be ruined by poor and prayerless preparation on behalf of the preacher or the teacher. A man may grasp himself, the truth of the biblical text correctly, and yet not be grasp of the text. Personally, he may depend upon his intellect, He may depend upon his verbal skill rather than depending upon the Holy Spirit. For over 30 years, there hung a sign in my office space that had been carved by my brother Tom, which said, it takes a prepared man to prepare a prepared or to preach a prepared message. Poor and prayerless messengers can ruin an opportunity because they're, they're just not prepared. They haven't thought through the biblical text they haven't studied to show themselves approved unto God. It is quite astounding to me, personally, when we visit or when we encounter opportunity to speak with others in other venues of how oftentimes people experience uh, the aspect of a teacher or a preacher who just appears to wing it without the aspect of any serious evidence of study or preparation whatsoever. And then thirdly, and it's equally true, uh, but not as often said, that spiritual opportunity can be ruined by poor and prayerless listening. There is work involved in being a good listener, especially when the truths of God are being shared. This is a particular focus of our text because the writer of Hebrews 
says at this moment in time in chapter 5 that he has some hard things to communicate. He introduced Melchizedek back in verse 10 in relationship to understanding correctly the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, difficult to express, seeing ye are dull of hearing. There wasn't any problem with the content of the message. There wasn't any problem in this moment of time with the messenger. But there was indeed a problem relative to those to whom this communication was being directed. The biblical writer wanted to communicate some deep truths concerning the Old Testament king-priest Melchizedek in connection to the Lord Jesus as our high priest. But his opportunity in that moment to communicate those important truths were stifled by dull hearers, as is indicated in verse 11. No problem with the message. In this case, no problem with the messenger. But the audience was in a slow and sluggish spiritual state. Even upon general emphasis, we can say that this text commends an idea of preparing your soul to meet with God's people, to worship God, and to listen. We might ask this morning, have you prayerfully prepared to be here? Have you prayerfully prepared to be here? Back in the day when we had young children, Sherry used to often communicate with the other young mothers in the church, part of her uh, a Saturday night routine in order that the head of this preacher could get locked into the zone of preaching and so that Sunday morning could be uh, a delightful exercise towards the people of God without the chaos that can be so easily true of any family life. And, uh, and one of the things that Sherry used to do is she always, back in that day, picked out my clothes for me, laid them out for me. She laid out my, my tie, my shirt, my socks, my skivvies, she laid it all out for me. I never bucked at it. I never chose another tie. I just with, went with whatever she put out, and I never got anybody ever said to me that I was inappropriate dressed. Here, after the boys left the house, I started picking out my own, my own clothes, and from time to time, she says, from time to time, somebody else says, hmm, does that tie go with that shirt? Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're colorblind and you're picking out your own, your own clothes. Uh, I don't do quite as well, but there's no longer a necessity for Sherry to do it in preparation for Sunday morning. But back in that day, she set out Jason's clothes. She set out Justin's clothes. She found both their shoes on Saturday because everybody knows that shoes run away on Sunday morning and they hide and that uh, they're not to be found. And uh, so there's a lot of little practical things that mothers do in order to prepare a family for worship. But I tell you that uh, it's hard when you're the preacher to ignore your need to be prepared, and prayerfully so, to preach, to teach. Uh, But that need is not as evident when all you think you must do is show up dressed and on time. 
And of course, I would argue around here that some of you don't have that on-time business very well locked in your mind. But nonetheless, we find in verse 11 the word hard, which reminds us that not all Scripture is equally easy to grasp. Not all Scripture is the same. There are elements of Scripture truth that are deep and profound, high and wide and deep. There are things, spiritual things, that are hard to understand and hard to apply. I would remind you that even the Apostle Peter said that some of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote about were hard to be understood. Peter also said that when Paul spoke about those hard-to-be-understood things that on disciplined believers and on taught believers often twisted those difficult things to their own harm. Peter said that in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. The word hard here means difficult to explain and difficult to understand. And so Paul does something that is very interesting, and that is that he introduces a difficult subject in verse 10. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Then he takes an exit ramp. And he goes off the highway. And he comes back on the highway, chapter 6 and verse 20. Whither the forerunner is for us entered... Even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So Melchizedek, chapter 5 and verse 10, is the exit ramp. Uh, Melchizedek, chapter 6 and verse 20, is the, is the entrance ramp. And in between times, uh, uh, the uh, writer has us uh, running around Lowell. He has us running around the countryside and, uh, and uh, considering the aspect of an aside, uh, I call it an interlude, and it's a biggie, a big interlude. It'll take us weeks to work through it in the hall. But he introduces an interlude uh, that begins with this idea of, of uh, dull hearing. The word dull in, uh, in verse 11 carries the idea of sleepy or slow or sluggish. It stands in contrast to the idea of awake and alert. It is not a reference to physical realities, but it is a reference to the Hebrew audience as to their spiritual realities. It has this idea of sluggish, of spirit, slow, of spirit. Now, whether you believe that the original audience of dull hearers were unsaved Jews or carnal believers, the fact remains that the opportunity in the moment was restricted by the lack of personal engagement and spiritual responsiveness in the life of those hearing. And the writer of Hebrews is not going to go on with the aspect of addressing the subject until he addresses this matter of 
dullness of spirit among the Hebrew people. Radio Bible teacher John MacArthur builds a good case for the dull ones being referenced as unsaved Jews who heartily accepted the Old Testament record but resisted the New Testament truth of Jesus as the Christ or Jesus as the Messiah. The more common and traditional view is that the audience reference here uh, were believers that had entered a carnal state. Either way, the opportunity in the word was ruined by the spiritual condition of the hearers. I find it interesting that the word dull is a compound word which literally to be translated is no push. The writer says there was no push in the soul of the people that were receiving these great truths of Christ. They possessed little or no enthusiasm for the revelation of Jesus the Christ. People often tell us that they love God and that they love God's word. But they bear no evidence, they bear no demonstration of the fact that they appreciate hearing it. Why many of the people who claim to really love God's word don't even show up to hear it. Don't even read it. Don't even study it for themselves. And yet, all the time, maintaining this sense that, oh, 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 man, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I trust that you can appreciate the fact that there is a good measure of uh, Baptist hypocrisy in all that. The sluggish condition of the Hebrew people, as recorded here in Hebrews 5, made it difficult to explain the truth of Messiah to them as the writer desired. The biblical writer will press on in chapter 7 to deal with the desired truths of Melchizedek and Jesus Christ, but not before confronting the present dullness by this interlude section 5, 10 through 6, 20. We can certainly connect that particular section, 5, 10 through 6, 20, under the banner of spiritual maturity concerning the fact of understanding the reality of, of dullness in spiritual life and the importance of pursuing and going on, as it were, unto spiritual maturity, as is indicated by the word perfection in chapter 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Messiah, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on, unto maturity, unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. We'll get to those instructive words in a week or two. But this morning, we begin the section at verse 11 by addressing this matter of dullness in hearing. The case among the Hebrews is a case of dullness of hearing the revelation of Jesus Christ, and indeed it caused a number of associated spiritual symptoms. These symptoms can be seen today in unsaved people, 
who are repeatedly exposed to the gospel without ever exercising faith or by professing believers that maintain and live in a carnal state. The list of symptoms seen in the text when taken in the whole concern a person's spiritual development, a person's spiritual digestion, a person's spiritual dexterity, a person's spiritual discernment. Four issues will be addressed under the topic of dullness. Namely, the lack of spiritual development, the lack of spiritual digestion, the lack of spiritual dexterity, and the lack of spiritual discernment. Now, I need about 15 minutes for each one of those, and it's quarter to 12. So you'll be glad to know that I plan to only preach this morning on spiritual development. And we'll come back to it next week and deal with spiritual digestion, spiritual dexterity, and spiritual discernment. Today, we want to briefly address the matter of spiritual development. Your spiritual sense of growth and development in the Lord, as is talked about in this section under the banner of dullness of hearing. The person without inward push, spiritually speaking, the person without compelling concerning the Lord Jesus as Christ will have serious spiritual development problems. Look at verse 12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Enough time and exposure to the blessedness of Jesus Christ had passed in the life of these Hebrew professing Christians for the writer to say that these Hebrews ought to be able to teach the truth of Messiah to others. They ought to be able. The word ought is interesting, a financial term that implies debt. That the time had passed, sufficient time had passed, and if enough time had passed for the blessedness of Jesus as Messiah understood in the life of these Hebrews for them to be able to teach other people those particular truths upon which their faith would be raised. These Hebrews had become indebted to the very truth that they had become dull in hearing. Indebted to the very truth to which they were dull. Instead of teaching others the thread lines of Old Testament promise, instead of teaching others the thread lines of Old Testament prophecies that find their fulfillment in Jesus, the Christ, they needed to be taught that truth of Messiah again or anew. Now, this particular expression of the beginning days of understanding concerning Christ 
are some of the most impactful you'll ever confront in all of the scripture. The idea of the fact that they needed to be taught again. The first principles or the first truths of Messiah has this idea of repetition. That they needed the repetition of having to be taught again. Something that they had been taught before. Something that they said they knew before. And yet at this particular time, they at least were living as if they didn't know it, even if they thought they knew it. Because it's never about knowing. It's always about living. Did you hear it? It's never about knowing. It's always about living. We do not hand out pieces of paper with ten uh, marks on them and ask you to take a quiz at the end of the sermon. It's not about knowing in the sense of intellect. It is about living. And these Hebrew believers, professing believers, or unsafe Hebrews, whoever they were, they, uh, they needed again to be taught the thread lines of prophecy, the thread lines of, of promise. The word carries the idea of repetition. They had failed to grasp the chief and major truths flowing out of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures that allowed for a right and healthy conclusion concerning Jesus as the Christ. I'm going to say something. I will not take the time to defend it this morning. I'm just going to say it. If you want to talk about it later, at some point, it'll take about six hours to walk through it, just so you know. But here's what I want to say. The way in which evangelicals in America have approached evangelism has made for high levels of profession and little levels of possession. When you start with, God loves you, and then you get to sin, and the cross quick. You've no more shared the gospel from a scriptural standpoint than the man in the moon. And people that were saved, truly saved, with gospel short, will flounder if they are not soon thereafter taught gospel long. And gospel long starts at the beginning and works through the way that God himself has presented himself in the pages of the B-I-B-L-E. And that involves prophetic scriptures. That involves the promise of scriptures. And the fact that I, as a young man, grew up in an evangelical Baptist church and yet never confronted the thread lines of promise and prophecies until a young adult is a curse upon churches whose people are, to this day, generally a mile wide and an inch deep. Evangelism is not about notches on your gun. It's about telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God.
And here are Hebrew people in the biblical text that just like thousands of Baptist people today are barely saved if saved at all. They could run through the threefold little quickie of the gospel as surely as can I or you. But the reality is there is no reality. And at best, they have become dull in hearing, needing once again to be taught the first principles of the things of God. Just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Hebrew people of the New Testament era knew something of the scriptures, but they knew nothing of the power of God for life. They knew something of the scriptures, but nothing of the power of God for life. All the time we see people that know something of the scriptures, but nothing of the power of God for life. If it don't work, then why would you promote it? God, help us to hear the scriptures concerning the thing that was a problem. And in my humble opinion, still a problem. Instead of teaching others the thread lines of Old Testament promise and prophecy, they needed to be taught again and again and again the basic things, the threadline things that add up to who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, who is the Jews' Messiah and the Savior of the world. They needed to make the connection from creation to Christ, and they needed to make it in mind, in heart, in faith and in faithfulness. These dear ones were spiritually halt and undeveloped or underdeveloped. There was no lack of their exposure to the truth of Christ, but they were underdeveloped or undeveloped in the truth of Christ. My great-granddaughter, Paisley, is taken each month to the pediatrician for a check of her vitals with special focus upon weight, height, and a cognitive progression. Her stats are then compared to national percentiles for growth and for development. And sometimes when we hear of how big the baby should be, and what the baby should be doing now. Sometimes it kind of strikes us as strange. You know, that which is true for everybody is really true for nobody, if you know what I mean. But any concerns that are identified at the pediatrician visit are quickly assessed and addressed under the banner of good health. Many people, including evangelically-minded people, are not in good spiritual health this morning. They lack the normal stability 
They lack the soundness of mind that dominates the life of the spiritually mature. You've often heard me to lament this idea of poor spiritual health in the life of God's people. There ought to be a concern among us that the unsafe people that are in our lives, whether they be at home or at work or in the casual acquaintances of life, there ought to be concern among us that unsaved people hear the gospel. And there likewise ought to be a concern among us that saved people grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. Our calling is not to evangelism or edification independently. Our calling is to make disciples, which involves both evangelism and edification. Our calling as a local church is to teach people to observe all things commanded under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are to be engaged in the aspect of talking about Christ purposefully based upon the way in which the Word of God itself talks about Christ. We're not supposed to make things up about Christ in our heads. We're not supposed to make up things about Christ uh, to share with others. We're supposed to take the things that are said of Christ as presented to us perfectly in the Word of God and know how to share those with others for their benefit and ultimately their joy in embrace. This is the task that God has given to us. When the writer addresses this matter of dullness and hearing, he begins in verse 12 with the idea of the lacking sense of spiritual development. There was a reality in the life of those hearers. It underscores this truth. You and I are to be growing. You and I are to be developing. You and I are to be active in advance for Christ until we draw our last breath. Our modern society has given us facts and reasons and a structure for what the world calls retirement. Okay, not going to make any argument concerning it, but I will say this. The idea that you knew the things of Christ when you were 30 or 40 and that you remember a few of the things of Christ now is no great feather in your cap. As an 80-year-old, as a 90-year-old, as a 9-year-old, as a 19-year-old believer, you are to know how to live Christ. Spiritual development comes to a place of maturity where the, the basic things are grasped. And while the life continues to grasp and grapple, I should say, with the struggle of of sin and and, uh, worldliness and the assault of the evil one, yet the mind can be ordered according to the word of God, prayers can be prayed, and life can be stabilized, even as we preached and said throughout this particular morning. We pause to simply recognize at verse 11 that the writer 
addresses the issue of dullness of hearing. And we note further, verse 12, in the first front of that verse, that the writer addresses the matter of one's spiritual development with the clear expectation that people that know the Lord would grow in the Lord. Hence, Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 is one of the memory verses of most believers, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you this morning for your help to us in sharing the truths of the Word of God and hearing the truths of the Word of God. Help us all then to be a growing people for your glory. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.